general nerdery. So ever since I realized you don't like calling it the trailer park, I can literally think of nothing else I just, to call I, these. I feel like there's something better we can oh, come no, up with. Oh no, it's not a good name. It's a stupid joke that's stuck in my head. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I'm Tyler. Now showing. <laughs> I'm Zach. And this is General Nerdery? Point five. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the trailers. Uh, and Max here again. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Recording Schedule. Yep. Uh, we're here to talk about some trailers, because this is your podcast about liking things. Let's just go in the order we watch them in. So first would be uh, uh, Ninja Turtles video oh, game expansion. Yeah, uh, Shredder's Revenge had an announced DLC, which I wanted to make sure we watched the trailer, even though we already knew the news, just to see Usagi Jimbo in action. I mean, good. we covered this game sort of on our Ninja Turtles episodes. It was one of the things that we did mm -hmm. for it. This is, I hadn't, I had been playing on my roommate's Switch, so I don't actually own a copy of the game myself. Putting Yusaki Ojimbo in there might change that. Yeah, like, I really enjoyed the game. It brought back great feelings of nostalgia, but it wasn't so great that I felt the need to play it again. But now I might play through it again all the way as Usagi, not just, like, the new levels. So, okay. If they give me that option, at least. Usagi Ojimbo is on, like, one of my all-time list of great comic books. It's kind of been on the back burner of an idea of something to do forever. I know you know who Usagi is, but do you just know him from, like, Ninja Turtle stuff? Or? I, yeah, I just know him from Ninja Turtle stuff. Okay. But he was always so super dope when he showed up. Oh, yes. And I know that there's uh, stuff beyond, and I feel like at one point I read a little bit of it, but not much. Mac, do you have any idea who the Samurai Rabbit we were watching is there? Nope, just look cool. Oh my god. Okay, so Usagi Ojimbo is a character created by Stan Sakai. He uh, first premiered in the 80s. He's gone across various different companies, most often through Dark Horse. I think he left for IDW and then came back to Dark Horse because they were like, please, please, Hellboy ended. We need, <laughs> we need you back, Stan. Uh, the one year I went to Emerald City Comic Con, the theme was Stan Sakai oh. and Yusagi Ojimbo. He's not as well known as like the Turtles, but they tend to get lumped together because they're both quote unquote funny animal books, which is just a, a style of the genre. Mm -hmm. You know, cartoonish animals that came out around the same time. And they must have made friends with Stan, uh, uh, Laird and Eastman, because. Usagi appears regularly in Ninja Turtles stuff. But his comic is nothing, nothing like Ninja Turtles stuff. It is a mostly serious samurai epic where everyone's funny animals. I'm down. So Usagi Ojimbo, uh, uh, rabbit samurai. It is, I mean, it starts with Usagi's lord is killed in battle and he becomes a wandering ronin. Mm -hmm. And it ranges between, like, weirdly goofy stories of there's these little, like, lizard things called zilas that wander around in the world. Of one, of an oversized one that's born that calls himself Godzilla. Because <laughs> they all just say zila as the, like, thing. Yeah. To... Hardcore family epics about Usagi traveling with his 
son who he's not allowed to identify as his son because he had an affair with his childhood love or like saving the empire saving the shogun from like an evil clan there are ninja that are either like bats or moles there's it's just oh it's so fucking good but it's not as goofy as you think it's gonna be because it's you know right everyone knows him from the fucking ninja turtles toy line yes that's where and I'm, I'm not yeah. knocking Ninja Turtles or the toy line, but I keep being like, really, Usagi's in there? Sometimes it happens. And then there's one random volume that is out of print and desperately expensive, which makes me angry because I never bought it back in the day when it was not, mm. called Space Usagi, that is just... I remember the Space Usagi toy. That It's just Usagi's descendant generations down the line basically living out their own, like, Funny animal Star Wars. It's Usagi Deathlock. Yeah, sorta. It's really good. It's oh my god. <laughs> There's not much to say about the trailer though, because it's hey that game you played, but now with Usagi. Exactly. Maybe more characters. Did it say DLC characters? It said characters, but it's only showed us Usagi. I would love it if they gave us Gin who is the uh, bounty-hunting samurai who had his horn cut off that is, like, friend-enemies with Usagi, or the blind pig whose name I can't remember, who Usagi cuts off his nose because he was, like, a weird murderer. They're going to give us Mona. Mona? Uh, one of the one of the female turtles that they introduced over the years. Oh, Venus de Milo! Oh, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. <laughs> They brought her back in the most recent line of comics and kind of made her trans. Hmm. Arguably, it is a frog that is like transformed into a turtle and she becomes the Venus de Milo. I've not read it. And um, because it's a forcible transformation, I'm kind of hesitant to use the trans like allegory except that a trans woman is writing these stories also ninja turtles is being written by a trans woman and one of my favorite creators and oh my god it's so good there is a mona she's not a turtle she's a lizard uh, from the 87 cartoon okay and then there's jenica who was the like number three person in the hand number two after shredder dies and goes to hell mm -hmm. literally there was a tmnt miniseries about five years ago called shredder in hell so i'm not <laughs> it's it's right there who gets transformed into a turtle because uh like basically she hulk style she gets a blood transfusion from one of the turtles 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 yeah uh, a, a full mayhem. trailer for mutant mayhem because the first one was Technically a teaser character introduction. But who cared? Because it was so good. This technically came out like two weeks ago, but we missed it the week it came out and then we didn't do anything last week. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't understand why people aren't super excited for this trailer, because every time I watch something for this, I'm just like, oh, my God, what is this like? Beautiful star powered turtles thing you've got going on here, Seth Rogen. It looks like a lot of fun. I do want to hear more of Seth Rogen and John Cena as Bebop and Rocksteady. We've not really heard much of them no. at all yet. Like, Which I feel like they're like doing a word or two. Yeah. Um, Ice Cube is Superfly, though. Superfly, all new character. 
I didn't even recognize that. It was done. I didn't know if it was an old... Is it an all-new character? Mm -hmm, all-new character. There's enough of the, like, B-line turtle characters, uh, toy-line characters, that I didn't know, but... So, just my, my theory, because we haven't seen him yet, even though we know he's in it and who he's being voiced by, I think it's going to turn out that the sequel hook is that Superfly was just uh, uh, like a beta test for Baxter Stockman. Yeah, I think Stockman's going to be behind the other mutants because, I mean, that's usually how it goes. Uh, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do old Hob, who is a character that's Hob would be neat, right? pretty similar to Superfly in the comics. Um, Superfly is probably more interesting from a design aspect. Yeah. I think we're going to get a post credit scene with some reference to the Foot Clan or Shredder or something. Maybe Karai. They might have went with Hob if they weren't gearing this a little bit younger. Yeah, it's fair. Hob's kind of a bummer of a story. Yeah, Hob's a bit of a bummer, but Superfly, you have like the easy link between him and Stockman if that's the way they end up going, and it's just a little bit more palatable. Is that Hannibal Burris playing? No, it's Giancarlo Esposito. Right, that's so much better. I don't know why. Is I think Hannibal Burris might be in here somewhere. Yeah, he's. Oh, I don't remember who he's playing, but I'm pretty sure he's playing somebody. I know Giancarlo Esposito basically plays one role just really well every time, but he pretty much is Baxter Stockman. So like, right. Um, and also, that's a little bit more lately. People forget how long of a career he's had. I look didn't at, really yeah. know who he was till Mando, so... Yeah, so he's been in movies since, like, the mid-'80s. That tracks. Like, like high-profile movies, like Do the Right Thing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's great. He's a wide-ranging actor. But, yeah, since Breaking Bad, they've got him for the same role every time. He did so well. He doesn't seem to hate the role, though. No, he so seems to be into it, so... I'm... I could see how it would be fun to play the... Shithead. Yeah. Mac, well, any thoughts on these? You are... <laughs> I feel like getting typecast at the later part of your career is probably better than getting typecast at the beginning part of your career. Yeah. At that point, you've kind of figured out what you like, so you're like, cool, this is what I do now. Yeah, now he has reliable work for the rest of his life. When it happens early on, you're like, you're just oh, like, no. I can't do anything <laughs> ever. Yeah, so he's probably super happy. Uh, what did we watch after that? Uh, Good Omens 2. Mm. I'm excited because... Unlike season one, I don't know what's coming. It's going to have more of the Neil touch because he's going to have to yeah, have Terry's filled dead. in. Yeah, well, because he's had to have filled in more of the story because there is an outline that him and Terry supposedly had. But have you ever read, watched Good Omens? Do you have any? Okay, so Good Omens was a book written by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. We mm -hmm. actually did two episodes on it in General Nerdery. Mm -hmm. We did the book in the series. Gotcha. It is probably my wife's favorite book. Terry Pratchett is probably my favorite author. Neil Gaiman is her favorite author. Neil Gaiman is my favorite author. Terry Pratchett is probably her second favorite author because she introduced me to Terry. Hmm. Not introduced me to... There's a thing about Terry Pratchett fans. We talk about him like we know him. Um, Terry's like in my top five. I would have a hard time figuring that out right now. Off yeah, the top no, of my head, we but, don't have time. Right. But the point is like it is... Yeah. And it is this amazing book that they wrote together... And they came up with plans for a sequel, but it never happened. Hmm. Terry Pratchett died, what, like 10 years ago mm -hmm. now? 
And Neil Gaiman originally wasn't, they, they had tried for years to get this made as a TV show or as a movie or something. And at first he was like, no, I'm not going to do it without Terry. And Terry's like, no, no, my dying wish for you is to get this fucking made. Sweet. And he did. And it's amazing. David Tennant plays a demon. Michael Sheen plays an angel. John Hamm plays another angel, I guess. Um, it's a, a, a Francis fant- McDormand is the voice of God. It's a fantastic cast. Hmm. And the first book is all about basically this angel and this demon trying to stop the Antichrist because they've realized they like it better on Earth than they like it in respectively heaven or hell. Fair. Because more interesting stuff happens here. Mm-hmm. Also sushi. So it's a parody of the omen. Among other things. Mm-hmm. Pratchett's really good at making parodies of stuff that is like far beyond just a parody. So... This is coming out based off of a an idea they came up with together, but like I don't think ever got past the rough plans phase because both of their careers took off like right after they wrote this book. Exactly. Um, I mean, I know that the reason I know that the reason they even included Gabriel in the first season was so they could use him. Here and was because they he did uh play such a big part in their outline of what was to come after, and it was kind of just like a nod to that whether they were ever going to get it or not. It was like, oh no, we we had more, so I might as well use it. Like, this is going to be my chance to, mm. and now we're getting a second season, so cool. Like, I trust Neil's writing. And no, I'm don't just, get me wrong, yeah. Neil, Neil Gaiman's it's just one of the greatest weird. writers of his generation. I just it's strange. Every part of Good Omens that's my favorite bits are the most Terry bits. And he talked about how Terry would take a line that he wrote and just make it... There's a joke that Terry talked to Neil and was like, I took this bit here and I made it 10 or 15% funnier. And like, Neil was like, no, no, you made that like 15 times funnier. Like <laughs> 9%. So I just... I have no doubt that Neil Gaiman will make an extremely interesting, compelling story, and there will be bits that make me laugh. I don't know if he can get the weirdly deep humor that Pratchett was capable of. Gaiman's funny, but it's not really his bag in the same way that, like... His humor is a little bit more understated and almost a little bit more in the way he describes things in more of an Adams type way. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than some of the things just being absurd on their face so that the humor can, can come through, whether it being the written word uh, or translated into a different medium like we've seen with Pratchett stuff. Mostly I just miss Terry Pratchett and... This is one of those things that I'm sure it'll be good, but the first one was so good that I'm, like, really kind of scared of how it might not be. Although, that said, like, the best part of Good Omen Season 1, in my opinion, was that super long intro. On Episode 4, that wasn't part of the book at all. Yes, where we just see the uh, Crowley and Aziraphale hang out and... Fall in love. Fall in love, yes, absolutely. It's a love story. And it was some of the funniest bits of the whole thing, and Pratchett had nothing to do with any of that. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Neil knows how to write in Pratchett's voice. 
Did you see there's a new Discworld thing coming out? No, wait, what? What? Yeah. His daughter is writing a guide to witchcraft that takes place in the Discworld series. Oh. Or in the Discworld world. Pratchett had always said he wanted his daughter to take over the disc after he died. Mm -hmm. And she was always kind of like, I don't really know if I want to do that. Do that. That's stressful. She's a successful... Like, I was just talking with Brian Herbert the other day. And- <laughs> God, poor Brian Herbert. She's successful in her own right. Like, I'm not in any way knocking on her. But I understand. Holy shit, that has to be stressful. Discworld is a fucking 40-book series that is beloved. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, you don't want to be the Brian Herbert of Discworld. <laughs> not even Brian Herbert wants to be Brian Herbert. And it's too bad, because literally, like, other than some of the most Dune purists of Dune purists, they've been like, they're good. He writes good stuff. It's just not... It's not the same. He's just not his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, that makes sense. (laughs) It's also probably significantly less homophobic than his dad was, so... True. Uh, Miracle Workers... No, right. sir. No. no, Kong Skull Island. Right. We have an actual, like, story trailer for Kong Skull Island rather than an announcement. Look, Look at the big gorilla trailer. There is a young woman who seems to be living on the island and has a relationship with the beasts. R- right. So she's hanging out with um, Lockjaw's Savage Land cousin. <laughs> Which, like, I guess I'm all here for, actually. <laughs> Weird, nerdy Paul there, but yeah. Basically a confluence of people. Some people seem to be chasing her down. Other people are trying to get their kids back, who also are on the island for some reason. They crash land there? I think so, but, like, possibly on purpose. Or, like, they were trying to get to the island, but not to crash land there. Yeah, they were going to be like, Oh, check it out, Skull Island, aren't we cool? Let's pose with some selfies. And then get the fuck out. <laughs> there is something about Skull Island, like just that first movie that is so cool in ways that I still have trouble expressing because it's just a goofy action movie that this seems to have captured better than like any of the Godzilla movies captured. I yeah. And I liked the Godzilla movie we watched, but I'm still not a fan of how choppy the animation looks. It's a little weird. But the first, I was kind of up and down throughout the trailer, like, all right, this is fun. And then at times I'm like, this is a little bit too, like, Fox Kids Saturday morning. But, but then, but then Fox all of us, I was about to say, but then, like, you have a shot of uh, Kong grabbing some tusks and wielding them, like, downward double fucking dagger style. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm back in. Let's see what happens with this shit. (laughs) It's either going to be really fun or just so tonally all over the place because it can't seem to decide which one it is. I mean, we talked about it when we watched the first trailer. It looked like the old Godzilla. I say old. I mean, like the 90s Godzilla Mm -hmm. cartoon. Not the one with Gadzuki. Which, that one was on Fox Kids Saturday. Yeah, probably. Yes. (laughs) Look, there was two places to watch things in the 90s. Fox Kids and Kids WB. Yep. Unless you were fancy pants and had Cartoon Network and full extended cable. That's pretty fancy. I was so jealous of those kids. I had 18 channels. 
technically this had 23, but like five of them didn't work. It's like static. Although, channel 17, if you watched at night and you played it just right, you could occasionally see a boop. Ooh. <laughs> we just had Welcome a, to the 90s, kids. <laughs> I just remember occasionally getting free month, free trial months of Showtime and HBO. Ooh, no, I never got that. I got, like, as I said, Showtime, that if you timed it just right, mm -hmm. there was a boop. Um... Yeah, I'll, I'll try it. I'll check it out because Skull Island was that strong and because it's King Kong and I was going to check it out anyway. And but. Netflix has a pretty solid record with animation. Mm -hmm. But it's, at the same time, I'm also not going to be surprised if it doesn't. I'm not up. going in with the same confidence that I went into like Kevin Smith's He-Man, mm -hmm. which is a weird sentence to stay still. Uh, also, I think we should be getting a trailer for the next season of that soon. I'm they've been working on it for a while and mm -hmm. I know COVID fucked everything up, but I have to imagine. And I know they recast, um, Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah, that's too bad. She to, was really good. Yeah. To, uh, Melissa Benoist. That's still really good. Yeah. And it also means her and her husband are going to be working on the show again. Oh yeah. Also her and Kevin, because those two are like in love with each other. All three of them are. It's hilarious. He texts with, um, oh God, I can't think of his name, but anyway. And then Miracle Workers season four, which considering we've done three episodes on Miracle Workers, um, we're fans of Miracle Workers on this fucking show. Dude, I am so hyped for this because I have been playing through the 2016 Mad Max game recently. It's so good too. So like, I am primed for this right now. Well, and I'm not... I mean, I like post-apocalypse stuff. It's not my biggest genre, except for I fucking adore Fallout. And specifically, I really love Fallout 3. I know it's like the controversial one in a lot of ways for Fallout people, but it's where I entered. I'll go with 3 over 4, personally. Same. I've not played 4. I can't comment on that one. I still think 3 is better than New Vegas, personally. But wow, that's going to get us set on fire. That is... <laughs> I think there's things about three. There's trade-offs in both, I think. Because I, I, I actually would almost rather play through three than New Vegas. But I understand where the arguments for New Vegas come from. Because there is a bit richer role-play experience. Yeah. And if you're going for the like established world of Fallout, New Vegas actually plays in it. While three... It's like re rediscovering it. Well, because, I mean, 3 is also on the other side of the country after it's been separated for a couple mm -hmm. hundred years. It makes sense that it's not as deep into the the Fallout, like, lore. Things are going to be different, yada, 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 but... Uh, well, it was also the first uh, 3D, not top-down, isometric. And not done by the original Team. company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyways... I mean, they call it Boomtown. That so obviously feels like a reference to Megaton. Yeah. To me, whether intended or not. Church of Adam. I spent a lot of time in Megaton. I've only ever blown that place up once, and I felt really bad about it. I did save right before, though, so I could blow it up a few times. Did you ever blow it up at night to see it, like, brighten the well, Yeah, the that's where it looks best. Yeah. So good. <laughs> it's one of the first things they did in my evil playthrough. Right? You're like, I am blowing the fuck out of this place. The problem is the a place that you go and get a room at after you blew up Megaton is not as cool as Megaton. Fair. No, I agree. And you still have the annoying shopkeeper. 
Yep. She never leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of liked her. <laughs> anyway, uh, I love that he's, uh, that Daniel Radcliffe is clearly just wearing the Mad Max outfit, like the coat. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy. Oh, I was fully expecting him to say that his occupation was road warrior. Uh, having grown up on the new gods, I've always enjoyed the Mr. Miracle Big Barda aesthetic of the little guy and the giant wife. Mm. So, uh, really into that. And I. That's a fun thing. We saw in like season one that she's oddly good at playing a warrior woman for the like quarter of a scene that we saw her playing a warrior mm-hmm. barbarian queen. So. Let her do that. I also am always fascinated in like, okay, take another world, take a, a, a sci-fi world, a post-apocalyptic world, a fantasy world, and just show me Joe Schmo on the street. You know, what are you doing when you're not Mad Max or Luke Skywalker or Samuel Vimes and Ankh Morpork? Like, mm-hmm. Paying taxes. Not in this one, probably. There's probably some type of tax, yeah, like a water tax or an oil tax. No, I'm super excited to see that play out over the course of a season. Like, Rick and Morty beat them to it in the Mad Max setting just a little bit. They had an episode that does that a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, But, I mean, that's an episode of a show that's already all over the fucking place. I am super excited to sit down and watch, like, an entire season of that, especially from all of these people. Well, yeah, Miracle Workers has such a strong cast. And, I mean, like... We knew that they have Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi, so that's not a surprise that they have mm-hmm. a strong cast, but... Everyone else has been killing it, too. Oh, yeah, they're always amazing. And... Spider-Man India, um... Oh, fuck, you're right, that is him. Yep. But I still haven't seen that movie. Have you seen it yet? I saw it. That's very good from what I hear. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> but, like, part of the thing is I don't, you know, oh, oh we've seen it before. I don't fucking care, because that's not really ever been the point of Miracle no. Workers. Other than the first season, which is a relatively original idea of these angels are trying to stop the Earth from being exploded, but also has hardcore Good Omens vibes because of that. They really just, like, let's take these actors, put them in a completely new setting, and see what fun we could do. I mm-hmm. mean... Let's face it, The Dark Ages, which is one of my favorites, is not a wildly original fantasy story. It's, let's have fun with these tropes. Yeah, no, it's, the show's always been about plopping them into these other um, setups. So, well, I'm about it. (laughs) And since I am absolutely certain we're not getting a season five, I'm amazed we got a season four. They just barely slid in under the radar because right after I think they started filming, TBS announced that they were slashing pretty much every other scripted comedy they were making. Right. Because shit reality television is so much cheaper. Mm. That's depressing. Than paying for Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Did we do it? Nope, that's it. Nope, that was it. That's it. That's all we got. Cool. Bye. Um, Bye. 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 Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. 
Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, email us generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.